All right. Um, let's start with our affirmations. I am creative. I am brave. I am confident. I am trustworthy. I trust myself. I'm honest. I'm hardworking. I am at peace. I am peaceful. I'm loving. I am loved. I'm passionate. I am me. I am one. I am beautiful. I am brilliant. So today has been it's raining it's raining in New York. So I want to say that today has been a like the day has matched the mood. Um it's a gloomy day. Um and <clears throat> I want to say, because today was the day that I told my kids that um, I'm transitioning into this role, um, into, uh, it's an administrative role um, focused on bilingual programs and English as a new language programs, uh, creating programs and as well as overseeing them. And so I find myself having to make this decision for obviously the obvious reasons um and then realizing that how many kids I've really truly touched um this segment is actually part two of um healing and education this one is trauma and education and so as I said I was going to circle back Um, So I do find it interesting that, um, you know, everything is aligned in the way that that it is. Um, I do believe that I thought, and I guess as I was understanding this, um, that trauma should have gone before the healing portion of this segment. But I realized that oftentimes when we seek out um, therapy, it's because we're seeking out to heal. And when we seek out to heal, then we stumble upon the trauma. We stumble upon what is triggering us and what has really truly affected us um, and our human experiences and condition, right? Our human condition. So it actually is in perfect sequence. Um, Obviously, everything is in divine order. Um, I truly believe that. And so um, a couple of things happened today. I had a student um, that as I was walking in, um, into, the, into the classroom, I'm walking in the hallway, and I see her walking ahead of me for a little while. She had the, the, the bathroom pass in her hand. And I can see that her facial expression, she was just crying, and she was teary-eyed. And I instantly was like, what's wrong? So I look at her and I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. And I said, 
you need to talk about it without using your words, I won't know what's wrong outside of the physical that, you know, I'm seeing you teary-eyed. And instant panic. Like, I feel like for those of you who've had panic attacks and have had um, anxiety attacks, you can see it. You can identify it. And through um, healing, you can understand and control. Um, I don't think those things officially go away from just nothingness, but um, out of nowhere, but you tend to um, control them better. And so instant like hyperventilation, like I saw it in her face. And she ends up telling me that another student was just like being very um, overwhelming, you know, and overwhelming in the same sense of calling her names, et cetera, et cetera, just saying a lot. And I need you to know that not once did I tell this child like, oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, you two are friends. Oh, I not once said that. Like, I need to validate this human's experiences and I need to validate their feelings. The reality is that if it's a huge deal to her, then it is absolutely 100% a huge deal that needs to be dealt with and has to have a solution. And I think that we all come to this conclusion that, um, yes, school buildings are absolutely 100% supposed to be um, safe spaces uh, for education, for learning. What people don't consider is that they also are safe spaces for existing, for acknowledging the human condition as they are, for socializing. Um, And I would rather, I would honestly ultimately say that socializing um, takes a bit of a greater precedent than, than, than education sometimes because of how social and emotional is attached to the social, right? It's attached to interaction. It's attached to communication. We had gone back. I talked about language. I talked about literacy. And there is absolutely 100% a literacy piece when we acknowledge that um, culture also falls into this. You know, um, we need to be very careful as educators and as just individuals who work um, with young folks that they are an entity among themselves. Like they are solely an existent outside of us. And I say that, you know, I mentioned that in a previous segment um, and in a previ- previous episode that as a parent, you also need to be introspective in the realization that your child is going to experience things that you have never and will never experience, right? You as a parent are providing tools um, to guide them through um, the world. 
what I ultimately want for my child and the children that I teach is that they learn empathy from me, that they learn um, kindness, that they learn how to be um, assertive in what they need. Um, because it's not all just rainbows and candy and just wonderful flowers and just everything amazing, but also realizing that you have your boundaries and you as a person who, um, has identified who you are in the spaces and places that you go, you also need to identify, um, those boundaries and be vocal about them to others, right? No matter how many times that you think that somebody can read your mind, they cannot. So you have to be vocal in providing those needs. What ends up happening is that because there's a layer of trauma, there's a layer of um, a mask, a mask of telling kids that they are not to speak. They are only to speak when spoken to. They are not to question things. They are not to question elder, um, the adults in their lives. They are not to question or understand or even acknowledge that they know something because they are children. Creates this trauma among young folks that then they cannot trust themselves. And I say this because in one of our affirmations and one that I... 100% try to make sure that I remember when we do our affirmations is, I know myself. I know me. I trust me. I trust myself. I trust myself means I can acknowledge someone else's reality. I can acknowledge their experiences without undermining my own. And so... This other student could well could could have been well joking with her, could have been a complete joke to him, but she that's not how she's receiving it. And she has to be vocal about that. And I know it is hard. It is absolutely 100 percent hard. And this is not to try to say that it is her fault. It is not. But 100 percent realizing that communication, again, going back to that piece of literacy, is 100% something that has to happen. And I told um, her and I tell my kids and I tell my daughter this all the time. I cannot read your mind. If something is happening that you need help with, you need to speak out. And you need to know that I am going to 100% be there for you. Not once did I say that that I'm going to control the issue. Not once did I say that I'm going to... um, you know, solve the problem for them, but I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there as a guide. I'm going to be there as someone who wants um, to provide advice if they are willing to take it. I'm also going to be the person that will be there after whatever mistakes are had, um, whatever experiences that they encounter and they need assistance with. And so I need for people to understand that if you are... um, new to the podcast, new to just um, informed and education um, as um, new to education or just new to understanding the human condition is knowing that. It's knowing that every person who has lived in planet Earth have have their triggers. 
and also knowing that there are boundaries that oftentimes through because of technology and there goes a full circle moment that because of technology we have blurred those lines we have blurred what is absolutely 100% okay and what is not um because we now feel like we have access to people 100% of the time and the pandemic only created a larger issue to that right and I say that as someone who I have made my home, the one that I bought, my sanctuary. It is a place that it is 100% peace. I come home and I decompress. I find happiness in my home. And it is a space that my daughter loves to be in, loves to play with, um, loves to play in. And that is what I ultimately want for every child and every individual, really. You need to have a safe space. And that safe space, for some of our students, is the school. It's 100% the school. But going back to talking about trauma, there are policies. There are policies that I don't ever agree with. And there are policies that make no sense, knowing that sometimes school buildings are the safe spaces for our kids. It's knowing that, you know, re-traumatizing them, reiterating things that don't make sense to them and to the larger scale culturally and the humanness behind it. What do I mean by that? Policies like no hoodies, um, policies like you have to wear your hair a certain way. Um, policies like um, you need to speak a certain way. Those fall under white supremacy and ideology. I've had and can entertain ideas that do make sense, right? Um, I've heard this one for a cup from a couple of, of um, educators. Well, wearing a hoodie is like you're hiding. It's like you're hiding, and we don't want our students to hide. We want them to exist. I entertain that, and I absolutely can see that idea. But given the layers of trauma with the attire of the hoodie, right? We have um, Trayvon Martin. We have um, other individuals who have um, been racially profiled because they were wearing a hoodie. Like, I need you to know 100% that this is not happening in predominantly white neighborhoods. It's not even a question. You get to wear whatever you want to go, what what whatever you want to wear, and you go there to learn. They're not worried about what you're wearing. It's not a um, it's not a big deal. Of course, that's not to say that uniform isn't 
you know, it, it's, you know, uniforms can be useful, especially for in, in terms of um, financially, it does make sense. But certain things just, you have to know the added layers that come with these particular policies, right? Um, oftentimes, you'll hear, oh, um, you have to wear your hair a certain way or your hair is unprofessional. Those things are, again, falling under white supremacy ideology. And it it's because of the fact that my hair does not grow out of my head straight. It doesn't. So for a white person to get up from their bed, not even brush their hair, and be deemed professional, it's ridiculous. So there's that. These are added layers to trauma that you have to acknowledge and have to also realize that you're re-traumatizing children when you're doing these things, right? And again, we go back to the idea that schools are supposed to be safe spaces for kids to learn. But the learning can't happen until we acknowledge these traumas. And we can't be afraid to acknowledge these traumas. And I see that it absolutely becomes uncomfortable conversations um, within adults. So how can we possibly ask children and young folks to have these open dialogues if we ourselves are not having those open dialogues that make white spaces, and I'm saying white spaces in the sense of predominantly white spaces, um, uncomfortable. I've gotten to a point in my, in my career that I um, say what I need to say and then I stop and reflect. And I've noticed that conversations that are one-sided because you don't know the history, you don't know the culture, you don't understand where black and brown folks come from. You will never acknowledge their existence and how you are traumatizing them. What ultimately happens is that you are gaslighting. You are gaslighting their reality. And again, that's not to say that we are not capable of abuse, okay? So those are things that I need people to understand. The overall intersectionality of the human condition is to believe that one part of an individual is the whole of that individual. And this is me speaking as a, um, Afro-Latina, Bronx Native woman, because I, I, I identify as a woman, um, human being. And when we realize that I cannot pick 
whether I am woman first or if I'm an Afro-Latina. I cannot pick one or the other. I am both. We then acknowledge that my experiences are different from a white person's, whether male or female, whether woman or man. And again, I'm saying those things directly because I'm acknowledging that there is non-binary individuals in the world. And I also need to acknowledge the fact that um, there are parts of my identities that come with privilege. And I've been doing the work for a very long time. So that's why I, I feel like I can speak on these things and be okay with it. Um, but there are individuals in education and in any sector, really, this can be applied to any sector. You know, I come from a background of um, working for um, uh, the district attorney's office. I've worked in banking before. I've worked in, man, I'm, I'm putting on my resume out here, but I've worked in um, nonprofit um, and the Department of Homeless Services. You know, these are all entities that as I've got grown in my career, I can reflectively go back and acknowledge microaggressions. I can acknowledge um, things that have happened that are re-traumatizing. And I think that what ends up happening is that as a white person, those who identify as white will not acknowledge or do the work because it makes them uncomfortable. No one ever wants to be the bad guy of a story. That's just the simple reality of it, you know? But we also have to acknowledge that just like we've had other people hurt us, we have the capacity and the ability and probably have hurt others. And so as someone who has been doing the work, I've been learning to understand that sometimes I'm going to be the bad guy or the bad person in someone else's story. And once we acknowledge that piece, then we are free of victimizing ourselves when there isn't... Um, there might not be a victim in the situation. When you are so worried about what others are doing, you can't acknowledge what you are doing. And so, of course, I've been in schools. I mean, I've been in all schools where hoodies aren't a thing. Like, you cannot do that, right? I'm sorry, but maybe I'm throwing myself under the bus. But when I close my doors, my students are learning whether they have a hoodie on or not. When we were remote, my kids were learning whether their screen was on or not. And going back to that idea that we went that that I acknowledged earlier that we have now gained access, we believe that we've gained access to people 100% of their time. And we we feel like we're entitled to that. And the reality is, is that we don't. We absolutely 100% don't. 
we, especially through the pandemic, have had to be remote. And so you feel like you need to have cameras on. You're putting your perceived understanding of what schooling is and applying it to the spaces of children where they're probably just playing video games. And again, if that's their thing, cool. Maybe they want to um read. That's their thing. What drove me insane about the pandemic was that we were allowed to see the homes of other children uh, and, and step into that role because that we had no other choice, right? That was how education was implemented. That was the way we were able to um, have it still be um, in existence during the pandemic. And I think that that's a beautiful thing for technology, but for the purposes of, of privacy, of having something be yours, right? Having something be yours, like, and you start to understand that some, some, some of our students and, and even me, like, I never had my own room. Like, that wasn't ever a thing. And so you start to prejudge and judge those kids that didn't have a quiet space to learn or a quiet space to exist right? So again, added layers to trauma, there goes that. So if, and I, again, introspective, if I, as an adult, do not want to show my camera, and I have the right not to show my face on the camera, I can close it and just acknowledge that I'm there, right? Unmuted. I don't understand why we were telling children that they needed to have their cameras on. Okay. Again, allotting your right to exist to others is 100% necessary. Going back to that idea of that your child or children, right, students included, young folks included, are outside of you. They have ideas, they have knowledge, they understand the world differently because they're they're experiencing it differently than we are right and that is again generationally a difference there is a social economic um difference there is a um a pre or and I can't even say post pandemic because I guess I don't know if we're still living through it but that's you know not here nor there but realizing that these kids are learning and they're learning rapidly and have been learning about things that we are still trying to grapple and figure out. Again, added layers to trauma. Could you imagine how traumatic it would be if in the example that I provided earlier, I would have told my student, but y'all are friends, come sit down and let's get some learning done. 
I would have invalidated that human, that human's experience and that human's existence, that moment, in that moment. I had that student after she took a, like, she went and took a walk, came back, um, sit in my chair so that I could teach the lesson. But that was after we had some breathing exercises so that she can control her breathing at least. And I acknowledged, and I acknowledged that she was not okay. I acknowledged that she was having a panic attack. We, we identify the problem. And I think that that's why it's so important for educators not only to have a background in education. I feel that I've learned through my social work, social um, services experiences, how to apply those to education. And that's super important. My sociology degree has implemented so much of those aspects of the human condition um, and sociological ideas and how the world works um, and how society works to my um, teaching. And that's something that isn't taught in um, professional development. Those aren't things that we acknowledge are needed in schools. Outside of, you know, having an emphasis on social emotional right now. But I think that education is pulled in so many directions that we lose sight of what is actually important. So um, I'm wrapping up quickly because it's going to be 30 minutes. And, you know, I talked about healing before. I'm talking about trauma and triggers. And need you all to understand that, yes, there are school, school counselors in schools for that. But do we have enough school counselors for the need of all our students? No. Do we have school counselors that look like them? No. Do we have school counselors that absolutely 100% believe in the existence? And I, I guarantee you they are passionate about what they do, but there's not enough of them. And there, it's also to acknowledge the fact that there are teachers right now in schools that believe that that's a social work problem. That's not their problem. Again, that is wrong. You know, they talk about educators having many hats, and one of them is that. Yes, again, not a licensed professional, but as someone who has had experiences and I've um, existed in social service spaces, like, all we need to understand is that there is a huge need. And instead of trying, trying to police kids, instead of trying to control um, it, being able to understand them and understand individuals as, as what they are, right? Um. I want to say this last part, you know, it was really hard to tell my students that I was leaving them. Um, I also have this um, idea 
that my mom, like I only shared this with my mom. And I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna start this tonight and I will hopefully have the 90 letters that I need to um, create. But I wanna create individualized handwritten letters to all of my students that I'm leaving um, abruptly. And I don't wanna say abruptly because I knew for, for 30 days, but I decided not to tell them because of a multitude of reasons. Like I didn't want them to check out on me. Um, I wanted them to continue to learn um, from me. I know that this week is going to be a very interesting week for them, knowing that I'm going to go. Um, you know, I, I had some of them, like, just, like, try and hug me. Uh, some some of them were, like, um, really um, sh- shook up by the fact that I was going to go. And, you know, that breaks my heart. But I really know that I need to do what's best um, for myself, for my daughter. Um, And I need you all to know that educators, um, I keep reading articles and I keep getting sent articles on how many are leaving the profession and how many do not want to enter the profession. And um, because it's hard, it is absolutely 100% hard to be an educator right now. And, and one that is passionate, one that loves um, the classroom, one that um, really, truly wants and is passionate about education. And so um, as I grow, I realize that I cannot martyr myself. I cannot martyr myself for um, anything outside of my own legacy and my own um, existence. And some people will say that that's selfish. I don't think that that's selfish, especially after going through, um, uh, you know, going through therapy um, and and seeing how, um, again, I use this analogy a lot and I think it's a perfect one, knowing that your cup has to be full for you to um, pour onto others. And I feel like my cup is runneth over, um, always. Uh, so right now I have a full cup and with that means I can pour it onto others, um, on a greater capacity. And I feel like this position is going to allow me to do that, especially gain the experiences that I need and I need to fulfill, um, for a grander purpose. And, um, so, that was my five minutes of um, trying to end this. But um, throughout, I looked at my last part, I promise. This is my acknowledging that um, as I look through the list of um, topics that I wanted to cover, um, this is one that's going to keep coming back um, in different avenues and different ways. And so this one is trauma and education, while the other one was healing and education. So this is probably this is part two. All right. Um, again, I am trying to gain a following. I'm trying to gain a listening. And so if you have a friend of a friend of a friend, um, or someone, a family member, somebody, I'm about to have my mom listen to this, y'all. Um, just go ahead and share it with them. Um, we're 
weird. I'm on Instagram. Um, the business is on Instagram. It's on um, social media. So make sure to subscribe. Um, and that is all I got. All right. Y'all enjoy your Monday. Um, be blessed. Stay blessed. <laughs>